Hello and welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims and today we have part two of our conversation with former Admirals goaltender Jeremy Smith. And uh, he, Again, we divided it up because it was such a great conversation. It was a long conversation, but a great conversation and we didn't want anybody to tune out because of the length. So we decided to, to cut it up and we pick it up today with um, a date that goes down in infamy, so to speak. Uh, April 1st, 2012, uh, the Admirals taking on the Rockford Ice Hogs at the Bradley Center in Milwaukee. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. And of course, that was the day that uh, Rob Flick became public enemy number one to Milwaukee Admirals. Fans. In Admirals land. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, it started a bench clearing brawl and it lasted for a while. Several players were kicked out and then subsequently suspended um for both teams and uh it kind of helped gel the team and push them into the playoffs right it was, it was a season that was kind of sputtering along and nothing so great i remember it started with kirk muller as the head coach and he left after 17 games right uh, right to uh, take the head coaching job with the carolina hurricanes and then ian herbers took over stan drulia came in as the assistant and um Again, it was kind of sputtering along. It was the dog days. February wasn't the best month. And we get a warm day in March, right about today, probably yeah, right. right around exactly today, uh, where it's 80 degrees. And the boys go down to the beach, to Bradford Beach, and play some play some wiffle ball. And um, a few days later, they start to win. And then right. a few days after that is the day is, that we start this conversation with. And what we do always you remember? I mean, yeah, we always talk about Sunday games being no hitters, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's just a guy, the guy and it's probably we've you've certainly played at least one game and you met that it I don't I don't think it was a three third and three. I should have looked, I should have done a little show prep here. Shows but my, it's the uh, Sunday afternoon. And if you're playing yeah. a team, they just want to get home. Monday's gonna be an off day. You can go out Sunday night or you can relax Sunday night, whatever you have. It's not often that you can be in your house at eight PM. Right. If right. Especially on a road game. Right. Yes, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, you're thinking whatever. Let's and get I don't out of here I, as soon as we can. Yeah. And I don't remember the game being a chippy game to start. Not to that point. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I, well, I'll tell you where I was when this went down was so Dr. One of the admirals doctors is uh, Dr. Mark Wickman. He uh, uh, he's been an admiral's doctor for many years. His dad was an admiral's doctor before him. And anyways, he had brought a group of uh, underprivileged kids to the game and wanted to give them a tour of the locker room. I said, no problem. We'll do it in the middle of the game so no one's in there. And so we've probably got, I don't know, eight or ten uh, of these kids in the locker room. And I'm talking to them. And Dr. Wickman is in there uh, with us. And all of a sudden, uh, I see... I hear some just chaos happening on the ice and there's no goal scored. And I run out onto the bench, onto our bench. And this is happening on the net we're defending during the second period. So it would be the one on the far opposite end from the opposite bench. end of the bench. And I, I run onto the bench and there's not a player on the bench. And you know how your mind, like you see something, but it doesn't process right away. So it's like, I get to the bench and I see nobody on the, nobody on the bench. And I'm like, well, this is we. Oh yeah. Look at that. There's a, there's a line brawl. There's a, a not a line brawl. There is an, a bench clearing brawl on the other end of the ice. Michael Latta is coming off. I see him come out of the box with nothing on 
and I am like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I got to get these kids out of the locker room. So I yeah. run in, I run into the locker room because I don't know what's, we've never had one of these before ever. Right. At, to my, at that point, I had been there for 12 years or 13 years, never had anything like that. And I run into the locker room, like, kids, we got to get out there. There's a bench clearing brawl going on. Dr. Wickman is like, what? What? Because this this probably triggers in him, like, well, I probably should be. I might have some action. I might yeah. have some, yeah, some work to be doing. And uh, so I hustle the kids out there. So I don't really, I never even saw it happen. Uh, but I did get up there in time to watch the rest of the carnage, so to speak. Um, and it was, it was, conf it was just everything you would expect out of a bench clearing brawl, chaos, confusion, yeah. uh, delay. Uh, at the end of the day, it was sort of like after, after it happens and the adrenaline's pumping and you probably have 15 minutes where it's, you know, it's sort of boring, right? Like you had to fill this whole time talking. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, it, um, for me, it's probably the thing I'm most embarrassed about because <laughs> it, it was chaotic and confusing and it started during a commercial break and I was just going through my notes and trying to figure out what commercial I was going to read coming out of the break. And right. when I looked up, Rob Flick is manhandling Jeremy Smith. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't see how it started. I only saw Rob Flick. And then when we come back, I'm in full on pro wrestling announcer <laughs> mode because it it's crazy. It it had never in in my time as a broadcaster, I had never seen anything like it. Right. And so I was just trying to observe everything. But mind you, there was Saturday, Sundays are, as we said, no hitters and not a lot of emotions. So now all of a sudden you go from zero to 60 with emotion. And, right. uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not particularly fine. Like I said, I'm quite embarrassed by the whole thing because I didn't have the whole story. I hadn't been through that experience before. Um, and uh, I, if it ever happens again, I think I will be better prepared. Yeah. Well, but how do you, how could you be prepared for something like that? Like, can you, I, I mean, you probably wouldn't go to the bathroom during a, a TV timeout. That'd be a little quick. Right. right but right. well, what if you stepped away to get a, a get a water? Like you could, I, I could easily see yeah, that. Drink and the water, blow my nose. Yeah. yeah all million... of that is, is very common, but, but it's all, it's all there. So yeah. But when you look down and then you look up and this is what's happening and then so, here comes Brody Dupont and Chris Mueller. Yeah. And, right. And, and then the rest of it goes down. And, but what you really needed uh, was like a gorilla monsoon or, or a Jesse Ventura as your color person. Oh, They're like, it was batting down the hatches and yeah. <laughs> and you need us, you need, yeah. It, it, you know what, that, that, that's a good point. Uh, a, a second set of eyes uh, to talk about what was going on. I, I think I did okay with observing everything that was going on oh, for sure. Um, I tried to be as factual as possible Um uh, I know I use the word uh, like flick jumped him and stuff like that. And that's like, that's misleading. Um, it's, it, I, I wish I would have used more unbiased words, but I'm the home team. So I yeah, screw it, absolutely. Uh, you know, but, but at the same time, yeah, like um, it, it was probably my most Jack Edwards like moment as a broadcaster, <laughs> <laughs> if you will. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, again, I'm not, I'm not terribly proud of it, but it's out there and it gets played a lot. And, I know, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's and, to you, and I'll tell you also that I, uh, Admiral's owner, Harris Turr, wonderful human being, uh, has, has yelled at me one time in my Admiral's career. And it was because we didn't post this fight to social media. Uh, <laughs> he was, yes, he was mad that I didn't do this. Right. Uh, and I was concerned about, you know, what the league is going to see and right. say, and we're promoting and, violence and yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and, but I'll be darned if someone else didn't take the footage from AHL, yeah. you know, live or whatever and post it. And that, that video that they posted has more views than almost any other admiral, any video the admirals have yeah. ever posted. Yeah. And uh, so I, I apologize, Harris, you were right. I was wrong. <laughs> You're the boss. And I apologize for that. Uh, so um, it was, it, and obviously we had to turn over all of all camera angles, everything we had to turn over to the AHL anyway, the right? Oscar, like yes. Mike Murray was the, it was the old vice president of on ice for the AHL. He called me the next day and said, any, what do you have? Uh, what can we get? Uh, and I should say it in your defense too. Uh, and we'll find out from Jeremy here in a little bit, a tease, uh, like how it really started, but it sure looked like Rob Flick went after Attack. him. He was the attacker. Yeah, He was the attacker. Uh, and I would say he was the instigator of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably be fair to say. Yes. Yes. I would didn't throw the first punch. Uh, and the funny thing too, is they end up playing together. Jeremy and Rob end up playing together a couple years later in Providence. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is, which is good. Yes. Uh, So yes. So without further ado, without uh, further, and hold on, before we do that, I promised a, a loyal listener of ours, a big fan of the podcast, that I would, uh, uh, and I would, I wanted to give him a shout out. His dad is the original captain in Admiral's history, uh, Paul Dowd. His son, Brendan Dowd, uh, is, like I said, is a loyal listener and coached my daughter's U10 uh, girls team this year awesome. and did an awesome job. Just a fantastic job as, a, as the head coach, always positive. Like the girls loved him, taught them so much. Uh, and it, actually reminds me that we should have Paul Dowd on this podcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, at, at some point. So absolutely. Uh, I apologize for the interruption of your intro, but I'll let you take back over the, uh, the introduction. Okay, then without further ado, uh, beginning with April 1st, 2012, here's former Admirals goaltender Jeremy Smith. When people think of Jeremy Smith and Admirals history, right, had a wonderful career uh, in Milwaukee, parts of four seasons, uh, you know, helped us to the last playoff the, 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 was the goalie for our last playoff uh, series win. But when people think of Jeremy Smith, there's one game that comes to mind. And I, I call it the April Fool's Day Massacre. I don't think anybody else has ever called it that, but I'm going to keep calling it that until someone else does. April 1st, we played Rockford what seems like four million times that year. And yeah, they always yeah. and Carter Hutton is their goalie, and I feel like they beat us two to one every single game. And hey, they have, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I'm so, sorry. Keep going, Charlie. No, no, like, and and they've got like the way they play is 
just grinds. It's 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 like they're a team you don't like, right? You play them so many times. The the players don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. And so take us through what happens on April 1st, 2012, from Jeremy Smith's I, perspective. Do you remember? I remember. Yes. I remember. I mean, obviously that, like, you remember, but. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I remember that day. No, yeah. I remember that we were like, I don't know what place we were in, but I remember we needed points. We yeah, were like the playoffs. Well, that was we real quick. Let's, let's go. Uh, let's go before that, before, before we get to that game, it was a couple weeks before it was like, 80 degrees in, in Milwaukee. Yeah. And the team, the team was kind of scuffling along, but you guys have a beach party. Yeah. And it was that year. And so we had always pointed to that April 1st game as being, Oh, they came together and that they pushed to the playoffs. But a lot of people are quick to say, Hey, it was that beach party. And we got together we, and, and straightened out. There was, yeah, we were, we were at uh, a split in the road. You know what I mean? We lose three games in a row it's not looking good. You know what I mean? Or we kind of go down the other route. You know what I mean? We start getting points. We start climbing or holding our position. And I remember it was supposed to be, you were at 80 degrees. And I don't know who threw it together, but they were like, everyone at the beach at this time. And we Blummer. showed up. It, it was Blummer. Blummer. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I remember. And like, we showed up and the beach is packed. And we're like clearing people in out March, of the way in, in like the middle of March in March in Milwaukee. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like you'd never think it, but, uh, and we're at the beach and we're clearing people chewing them with their towels and their beach bags, like tell them to move. And we set up this baseball diamond, wiffle ball diamond in the middle of the beach. And we played wiffle ball. I don't know how long, but we're like hammering this ball. People are, we're, chasing the ball all over the place and we had a blast i don't know how long we stayed out there guys are just burnt you know what i mean like on the <laughs> beach running around not a care about hockey and like it almost was like it was a day to get away mm -hmm. to recharge and like i and you're right and that was the fork in the road and then off we went so okay so now we get to april 1st and it was a sunday afternoon right charlie it, it was a sunday afternoon and Which I will just usually a no hitter. Right. Exactly. But this is Rockford. We're playing and points are points are precious. And I am giving a tour to some underprivileged kids in the Admiral's <laughs> locker room while the game is going on, because I mean, you, uh, Dr. Wickman had sort of asked if we could do this. I said, no problem. So anyways, I'll, I'll hand it back over to you, Smitty. Yeah. And so we played these guys. I, I wish I had the schedule in front of me because I remember we played them like, six of the last 12 something really bad scheduling where like the AHL schedule they literally were like oh we forgot to play have Rockford play Milwaukee yeah. you know what I mean they're like, oh we forgot let's just have them play 12 games in a row and so um I remember we we played them in an absurd amount of times in the last couple games and you're right it was like playing each other it was like playing a mirror image of ourselves right grind hard-hitting you know what I mean? Solid defensive hockey. It was just a frustrating game all around for both teams, you know, and like they were trying to make playoffs. We were trying to make playoffs. You're right down the road from each other. Our fans hate, uh, like uh, our fans hate their fans, their fans. Like it was just every time we went to like that barn, what was that song they would play when they'd score? Moaning, they still moaning. play that? The moaning. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guess hey, what? hey, you, goalie you, sucks. your goalie sucks or something. Yeah, I'm like, oh right. my, yeah. I still have nightmares. I'll wake up like, 
oh my god i'm in the, i'm in rockford right like, or you're at a they play that song at weddings all the time right so you're at a wedding and all of a sudden they play that and smitty leaves the dance floor he's pissed what's yeah. going on yeah some guys got ptsd from like loud noises and stuff i <laughs> have got that. it from Modi from philly <laughs> idol tommy james and the shondells yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great yeah i got it from rockford rockford illinois but so yeah and back back to sunday afternoon I don't know what happened. I don't know if their coach said something to them, but like I would do the same warm up routine, stretch at the red line, same thing. And I don't talk to anybody because I'm like on the ice, I'm a pretty, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna, I don't have anything to say. So I'm not really gonna talk to you. I remember at least 10 guys coming over to me in my ear, just yelling, screaming at me. And I was like, what's going on? Like it was just weird. And like first period, I remember it was close, maybe one, nothing, zero, zero. I forget. But I remember like after every save, I would cover it. Like there would be a guy like in my ear and like the D would have to like escort the guy all the way to the bench because these guys were not leaving me alone. And so it was the second period Mm -hmm. and it was a timeout. And I went to the bench to get a drink and I'm coming back to the far end and I see Rob Flick jump off their bench and start following me. And I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to follow me all the way back to that. I'm waiting for him to say something like scream at me and then turn around. And he comes all like, I, I see him in the reflection in the glass and I can see, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. He gets to me and he says something and I turn around, I drop the water bottle, I have my blocker on and I hit this guy as hard as I can, Timsy Charlie, as hard as I can. I hit him right between the nose, wham! And he was just stunned. And he's like, you know, like someone punching in the face. You don't know what to do. And he's like sitting there. And I hit him again. And he's still standing. I'm like 160 pounds at the time. <laughs> I am just hitting this guy with, and he's a he's their fighter, right? Like he's right. 200 and something pounds. He's he a tough eats guy. My yeah. first, yeah, eats my first fist. It's my second one. And then he, he drops them and I got my gloves on. And so he's hitting me. Like I'm trying to like get my gloves off, shaking them off. They right. finally get off. I grab a hold of him. Him and I are like swinging and we're like moving into the corner. And before you know it, there's Mueller. Uh, who hey, Brody, else? Du- Brody, Brody DuPont. DuPont was the second in. And like, it. I'm so glad that they like, that those Mueller and DuPont, that those guys saw it first because they were at the far end. Like they were the far right. bench. Yeah. Right. Second period. Right. Right. And so Flick and right, I, but, and it's but you're right. Even on the far side of the bench, they wouldn't have been at center ice because right. they, the, they're, they're forward. Yeah. Right. You're exactly right. right. They were the furthest right. possible. So, so they're the furthest possible. Mules, Mules must have saw it. And so he was watching the whole time. And as soon as we grabbed, Mules must have went. And so I remember Mules came in flying elbow. <laughs> Hammers Flick. I played with Flick two years later. We still laugh about it today. We get along great. Um, and so Mules comes in, flying elbow, and then the whole – it felt like – I don't know if you've ever been to a beach where you get hit with a wave, and then you, like, stand up, and you, like, can barely open your eyes, and the next and wave hits one. you. Yeah. Yes. And so that was it. Like, Flick and I are fighting, and Mules comes in, and then, like, I, like, look up, and all you see is, like, baby blue – black and red just coming at you and it just was like boom and it hit and like gloves elbows fists are flying 
I remember being on like I'm hitting flick flicks turtle because he's got four guys on him. There was four baby blue sweaters before right. there was one Rockford for sure. And so, so he hit me at least 10 times before I could get my gloves off. And so in my head, I'm like, Oh, here's payback mules. is I'm on one side mules is on the other. And, um, it was just mayhem. You know what I mean? Like guys yelling, screaming guys trying to get to me. I remember there was two or three guys that got to me and two or three of our guys pulled them off me. And like me and mules are on the bottom of the pile. Hutton comes in is screaming at me, tugging at the back of my chest protector, like not even hitting me. He's just like, Smitty, stop hitting him. <laughs> so I turn around, Hut and I look at each other and he's like, just stop. And I'm like, all right, all right. All right. So I stop. And, um, and I remember Latta came out of the box with no jersey, no elbow. <laughs> I don't even, he, he just was skating around, just hitting random guys. <laughs> just, just whoever, whoever was like, had their hands tied, he was just popping them. Um, Blummer's dancing at center ice doing a slow dance with somebody. I forget Ryan, who. Ryan Fahey. <laughs> Ryan Fahey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, oh my God, the dust settles for just a second. The dust settles, right? Guys are finally like, there's still guys wrestling, like holding each other to the ground. My, my, my hands are bleeding and I'm like, oh man, like I got to go see if this is bad. So I go to the bench and, uh, Ags is there. Doug Agnew. Love him. Great, one of the greatest trainers. He's sitting there and he's laughing. He's like, "Smitty, what happened? What'd you do?" And so he's like, like putting uh, padding on my elbow, trying or my uh, uh, knuckles. And while I'm doing this, her, was it Herbie at yeah. the time? Yeah, I Herbie. Don't, I don't know who was the coach of Rockford. I have no Ted, idea. Ted Dent. Ted Dent. So they start yelling at each other. I'm front row to this. And my head, my head's going back and forth. <laughs> and, and, and there was, I don't know if it was one pane of glass, Herbie, who has hands like a gorilla, <laughs> starts reaching for him. And this guy, like he was coming at Herbie too. And I was like, oh, here we go. And then as soon as Herbie reached around the glass, he was back. Like his assistant coaches were pulling him away. Herbie's trying to get at him. And then, like, both teams come to the red line. There's, like, another scuffle. Oh, man. Like, just mayhem in Milwaukee. Uh, so, after that, you mentioned that you played with Rob Flick a few years later. Uh, yeah. And in, in, obviously, in Providence? Yeah, in Providence. Uh, but but at during that game or the week later or whatever, like, when does the adrenaline quit? Like, your your day is done. Carter Hutton's day was done. A lot of players, their days were done. Yeah, right. and Ted Dent's night, they were done. <laughs> um, when does it settle down for you guys? Is right when you get to the locker room, or are you pumped up like the rest of the night and all of that, and Monday morning and just? Ugh. I think that changed. That changed our our um, the rest of our season. That changed our season because I we went on a tear after that. I don't yeah. know what the I don't know what the record was after that game. But it was almost like that wiffle ball and that fight, it sparked something. It that it we we got so much closer as a team that like, you know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like you find out who your true allies and enemies are yeah, in the right. time of like, you know what I mean? And so that fight, we became so close that like 
we went on a tear. We, we ended up making the playoffs and it was just, you know what I mean? It was uh, one of those things that it's interesting because at the beginning of the year, that's again, that's the year that Kirk Muller left after right around Thanksgiving and took the job in in Carolina. And yeah. what I remember on that is he flew back with the team. We get to, we're getting off the bus in Milwaukee after flying back from Charlotte. Yeah. And Ian Herber says to Kirk, because Kirk sat in front, Herbie sat in the second row, and I sat behind Herbie. And Herbie says, you got to say something about, about all of this. They knew. Yeah. And Kirk said, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the last anybody heard from him. He never, yeah. right? I, I not, right. Uh, not, not true. He called me on accident about a year later. He was trying to call another Charlie. <laughs> And he called me and I was like, hey, hello. This, and I don't think he ever knew my name. In three months working with him or two months, he called me on accident. I was like, hey, this is, hello, this is Charlie. He's like, Charlie? I think I got the wrong Charlie. Charlie, this is Kirk Muller. I was like, oh, hey, how you doing, Kirk? He's like, yeah, I'm trying to call our trainer down here in, in Raleigh I, or trainer or somebody. Uh, I was like, okay, well, how about that 300 bucks you owe us from your having to overnight, yeah. having to overnight your skates because you forgot. Or the money, the money on the board in Peoria. Yeah. Nope, never paid money on the board all that oh man that's but, funny but, Just, it's, but it's funny that you say that it took that long to get together because you kind of and nobody faults Kirk because you get a shot at the NHL you're going to take it right but you, I don't I can't speak for you guys but you feel a little abandoned when your head coach mm -hmm. leaves after 17 games and not that you didn't know Herbie but but it, it it's a little different right it does that doesn't happen all the time yeah no, you're right. It, I understand anyone in any situation wanting to make it to the NHL. Absolutely. It's the best league in the world, right? It's 100%. a goal. It's the end goal. Whether you're a goalie, a defenseman, a forward, a coach, an assistant coach, a skills coach, a radio guy, it doesn't matter. That's the best place to be in the world, the best league. It's a goal for all the people that are in hockey. Right. Um, and so I don't, I don't blame him. I don't fault him. Uh, but you're right. Like he, he said, see you tomorrow. He told everyone, see you tomorrow. We all show up to the rink <laughs> and we read it. Like we yeah, get, yeah. we're getting tweet updates. I was going to say like, somebody found it on Twitter, wasn't it? And passed it around. Yeah. was what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I remember somebody like I got Kiprios, to the rink. Kiprios was the first one to have it. Yeah. Kiprios, Kiprios called him in when we were in Charlotte, Kiprios was calling Kirk that day trying mm -hmm. to confirm the story. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Right. So yeah, uh, that's how we found out. So that that's actually a good segue. Everybody wants to make it to the NHL. It didn't work out for you with Nashville. I mean, they've got Pekka Rinne, who is just a, a complete workhorse, uh, and a few different backups. So you move on, uh, eventually signing with Colorado, and uh, and you get called, and you eventually get called up. So uh, tell us about that, about playing, you're in, in San Antonio and then you get called up, probably back up a few games is my guess. Uh, so just anyways, to, to describe us your, your sort of NHL by journey. Way, by the way, that was one of the first games that I remember watching of other teams in the NHL since I took this job 15 years ago. Right. <laughs> Thanks, MZ. I would yeah. watch Nashville or whatever, but that's one of the first ones. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of close calls to get a game. Right, you've, you've uh, my, been called up before, obviously, but never right. to play. It's again, it's so different than a normal player. A goalie like we, Troy Grosnick was our backup for, or not our backup, our goalie for the last three years. I bet he called, got called up 
seven or eight times and just sat there, opened the door. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a backup goalie, like, you can back up 80 games over the course and, of and you don't, five years. And you're not on hockey DB as like having played you, in like what, you, like what you said earlier about the, the goalies, if you're playing behind at the time you're a rookie in your first couple, three years, you got Lundquist, you got Pekka, you got all these guys playing 60, Carey Price. You got all these guys playing 60, 65, 70 games almost. Right. Oh yeah. And, uh, and a team that's a team that's uh, 12 to six, even seven, you know what I mean? Like four or five, like those teams are not solidified in the playoffs. Right. All those teams can – it's a shuffle until the right. last game. You know what I mean? Even tiebreakers. I remember one year uh, Columbus lost because they tied with somebody. Like, it, it's so close to make the playoffs that those teams, you can't risk two points. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, I had a lot of close calls. I'll tell you the closest call was I was with I was, I was was with Providence, with Boston, and it was the last game of the year, and they needed to win to move on. It was one point they needed and um, they were playing Ottawa and um, I'm in Providence and Pekka gets food poisoning. Tuka. Tuka Tuka Rask gets food poisoning two hours before the game. Mm. So they, they call me, I'm, I'm at the rink in Providence and they call me and it's like an hour, 45 minutes before the puck drop. They call me and um, they're like, Smitty, we need you here now. And I'm like, it, it, Claude Julian's a coach. You know what I mean? And, and they're like, we need you here now. Tuka's sick. He's puking. He can't put his gear on. <laughs> and so they, I remember they made him put his gear on to like go out for warmups and he just couldn't do it. But I'm at the Rink in Providence. I put all my stuff in my bag. I have a rental car because they loaned me to Iowa at the beginning of the year. I was gonna say, right. Yeah, just think how crazy that would have been had you still been in Des Moines, right? That wouldn't have, <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. But so um, they they brought me back, and so it's the last game of the year for Boston. I get in a – I have a Dodge Charger rental, and I'm like, okay, I got to go from Providence to Boston. And I, I think it's like an hour and a bit to get there, normal, yeah. but there's traffic. It's There's a Boston Bruins game. There's traffic. So I get in the car and I'm driving and 15 minutes into my call, I, uh, into my drive, I get a call and I answer it. And they're like, uh, is this Jeremy Smith? I was like, yeah. And they're like, this is, uh, the Massachusetts state police. Uh, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm on, uh, what, what highway is that? I forget 90. Uh, it's one of those major highways. Yeah. Is it 95 maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. So I'm like, I'm on this, I'm at this exit. They go, all right, uh, there'll be a car coming up behind you. Let him pass and follow him. So it's a state trooper. <laughs> so I, I'm on the highway, and I see these state troopers come ripping up. They get around me, and now I have a police escort all the way to Boston. <laughs> and I'm in a rental car. I have my, my – <laughs> My bag's in the back seat because I couldn't fit in the trunk because I have a Dodge Charger. <laughs> and my sticks are in the middle. And I and me and the Mass State Police are going right to um, the garden. You know what I mean? And so how how fast do you remember how do you remember how fast you were going? And were you no, nervous? No, I'm not allowed been. to say, Charlie. I'm not yeah. allowed to say, okay? I, I, uh, <laughs> The needle was breaking. Let's just say. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'd have been nervous driving that fast. 
right? And so um, I had him on the phone the whole time, and he would tell me, he goes, uh, you know what I mean? He'd guide me through. And so I got him on speakerphone. I got, I, I'm on, I'm driving, we're going, and there's like, there's a two lane road in Boston. When you get off, you go to the right. Um, I forget the name of the two roads, uh, but they're one ways, right? And so to get into the garden in the back where, cause the, what happens is the bus goes up this big long ramp and it kind of drives right into the arena. Right. Um, in order to get there, you kind of got to do a big loop uh, and come back down the one way. And he, he tells me, he goes, Jeremy, we're going to come, we're going to, we're going to pull a U-turn and we're going to go this way. We got, we got the whole road closed. I'm like, what? So we pull a U-we, we're going the wrong way on this road. They got the whole thing shut down. We drive right up into the garden, lights blaring. And you know what I mean? The cops pull up and I jump out of the car. There's four trainers with like luggage carts. They throw all my bags. They're like, sprint down the hallway i sprint down the hallway i'm getting dressed in like a side room because they're doing like team meetings i'm tying my skates guys are walking out the anthem's going off as i'm putting my jersey on i walk out i walk out to the bench as the the anthem's going on and so that's how close i was to getting into my first game because after the game claw goes smitty if you're here 20 minutes earlier it was your game we ended up losing boston didn't boston didn't make the playoffs Oh, oh my gosh. I don't, did you, yeah. that's not something you want to hear, is it? Hey, it goes back to round one, Detroit Red Wings. I'm always this close. <laughs> <laughs> that's unreal. Yeah. Well, you finally get in for Colorado. Well, hold on. Let's, okay. So the day's not done yet, boys. Yeah. So I back up that game and it was a 12 o'clock game. I think 1230. Who's playing and, that uh, game, by the way? Is it that that Swede? What was his name? I can't uh, remember. Yes. He, yes. He it was in Iowa for a short time, too. It was the monster. He played in Toronto. Yes. Oh, uh, God. Jonas Gustafsson. Yeah. Uh, Gustafsson. Jonas yeah. Gustafsson. Okay. So, Gustafsson, I think we lost 4-1. I don't remember. I remember it, it was just the whole locker room after the game. I remember Marshan, Bergeron, everyone was just disheveled i remember that whole locker room zidano was there like it was just they were there they were in shock that they didn't make the playoffs and so the whole the whole feeling and i'm like oh my gosh like i feel bad because like you know what i mean they were that close so i'm getting undressed out of my gear and um they come up to me the assistant gm and he says uh smitty um can you hurry up and get undressed? It's like, oh, what's do I have like an interview or something? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. He was like, we need you to drive to Portland because Providence has a game in Portland and oh. we don't have a goalie to back up. So, so I get undressed. I'm like, can I eat? So he's like, yeah, yeah eat and then go. So I, I eat. They have like, you know what I mean? Food there. I'm eating. I get in the, I get back in my rental car, bags in the back seat, sticks. Or in the middle, I drive, I don't know, two hours straight to Portland, and I show up. The guys are going out for warm-ups as I'm walking in. Oh, my God. I put my gear on, and I walk out with the guys, and I backed up for the the game against Portland. And I – yeah, and then – 
That's maybe the best story, one of the best stories, top five stories we've heard oh. on this podcast. Yes. I oh mean, God. If, if you if you tell us that you came away with a guy's leather coat at the end of the night, then it's the best, <laughs> which is a story from a, a different guy. You, uh, what, wow. What an unbelievable, yeah. You wouldn't get that if you'd have gone to any other line of work. No, no. <laughs> Police escort all the way up the highway to the TD Garden in the middle of Boston, going up the wrong way with police shutting the street down. We drive right up. Like it, it was just a movie scene. And then um, and then Claude tells me, Smitty, that's your game. If you're here 20 minutes early, I'm sorry you weren't. And then, um, yeah. And then after the game, they're like, Smitty, by the way, sorry, bud. <laughs> we need you to go back. We only have one goalie in prop. So we need you to go back. Oh so, boy! Made it just in time. Oh. Yeah. So then, uh, well, tell us what happened in Colorado. I mean, this is—it's almost anticlimactic after that story. But oh, uh, yeah. How, how did, did were your did your parents get to come to the game? Uh, and who are you playing? Is it uh, uh, New Jersey? Is it Earth? Right, yeah. So we um, so I got called up. Varlamov got hurt, but they weren't sure like how bad it was going to be. Um, and so they called me up and, uh, called me up and I wasn't sure how long the stay was going to be like, you know what I mean? Sometimes they think an injury is going to be day to day and it ends up being a long time. So I was just preparing as I always would. Um, and so we got there and it was Chet's brother Kelvin is there. And so he's there and he's playing well, but just, you know what I mean? When I got there, the team was kind of close to the bottom. Right. And morale's down. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of like the guys, you know what I mean? It was just, a, there was no, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe because right. you think in the NHL, every game, every, like, you know Passion, what I mean? Like, fire. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so I got there and I was like, what is going on? Like, and they had a great team. You look at that roster you know what I mean? McKinnon, Landy, uh, Duchesne, uh, Eric Johnson, um, Tyson Berry. Like they have all these great names and they just couldn't put together that year for whatever reason. It just wasn't working. It wasn't clicking. And so I show up, I could feel it. Um, and we lost a couple games. We lost in New York the night before. And uh, we all we had to do was bus from New York to New Jersey. And so we busted to New Jersey. I got into the hotel room and uh, coach calls me. He's like, Smitty, um, you're playing in New Jersey. I don't know who you got coming in, but I want to give you enough time to get them into, the, into New Jersey. And so I, I call my parents. I called Kelly. I'm like, hey, guys, drop what you're doing. Come to Jersey. And so my whole family made it. Kelly, Kelly made it. Um, and so, uh, it, I was really lucky because Detroit, New Jersey, Ottawa, New Jersey, you know what I mean? It's, it's right. not, you're not flying to LA, you know, yeah. you're not flying to Vancouver where it's like, you gotta take a bus, a train and a plane to get there. Um, so it, it, I was lucky that everyone made it. Um, and then first game I'm in hockey's hockey. Doesn't matter where you're at. He, at the time, like you always think the NHL is like on a pedestal. You think it's a different game, but once right. you get in it, it's the game that you played since you're a kid. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's hockey. And so it's, it's funny how 
for eight years it took me to get to that game I always thought like oh it's it's a different game it's a different game it's not it's the same game you know what I mean and so uh I remember the first shot tip I make a good save rebound guy puts it in and I'm like oh oh, not much else I would have done on that nothing I would have changed um but I was like you know what first one's in the net let's play right and so um we ended up losing three two I think and uh but I I played well and uh my whole family was there and to be honest I was more excited for my family because you know for me it's hockey like a game's a game no matter what level you know it's it a game's a game like it's whether you're in Milwaukee playing Rockford uh in Rockford with that stupid song it's all the same like you know what I mean it's it's hockey but for them like it was more of a journey you know what I mean like them watching all the way up until that point and then being able to be in the stands for an NHL game that was that was special for them and I was I was happy to be able to give them that right of course yeah. makes all the sense in the world since right. then um it's been a lot of one-year contracts, a lot of betting on yourself, a lot of finding situations, but the last couple of years has been in China. Yeah. What has that experience been like? So this, so I, I signed with um, the Islanders two, two or three years ago now, um, signed a one-year deal and um, I played well, had a great year and the KHL team, Kunlun Red Star, Scotty McPherson was the GM. He was scouting um, one of the players on our team. And so he watched me play back-to-back against Toronto, the Marlies. And the Marlies had an unbelievable team that year. Yeah, right. we, we, we beat them in a shootout, and then we lost in overtime. I played well both games. And so um, it's just funny how hockey works that way. You know what I mean? Like, teams are looking at one guy and they see another guy and it just right. right, right time, right place. And so for me, I played well, two games and they called my agent and they said, what, what can we do to get Smitty to the K? And um, it's crazy to think that I like the whole, my whole career, the NHL has been that, you know what I mean? That goal That's the carrot. to have like an absolute, yeah, the carrot to have an absolute curveball thrown at you and say, would you like to come play in the KHL? Not only in the KHL, would you like to come in to China? China. Play in yeah. China, Beijing, 20, 25 million people. You know what I mean? Like, would you like to fly across the world and play? And Kelly and I thought about it and sat down. We talked to Scotty, the GM and, um, and they offered a two-year contract and it was something that I was like, yeah, we thought that it was going to be a great experience and a good um, opportunity for my career. Um, And to be honest, awesome experience. The KHL hands down the best league to play in Europe, second best league in the world. Um, It's awesome. It's great. So great for your career. Does that mean you still have hopes of an NHL deal somewhere along the way? Absolutely. I mean, uh, that's something like you I said, like, like you hear from people, it's like, oh, I wasn't going to do it anymore. So I went to Switzerland or I, whatever the case might be. Right. But that's not the case for you. I don't think so. I think um, the American league is a good league, but yes. it is a developmental league. Right. 
you got young guys coming in for second rounders that are learning. They're learning to play the game. They're learning from their mistakes, how to play defensive hockey. If they're a forward, where to take chances. If they're a defenseman, um, these things like these growing pains that American league is it. It's not just a league for guys to play and win because there are guys like that have their careers on the line in that league in a sense of like, they're kind of bubble players, right? They've been there four or five years. They need to play well. If you're a forward, you need those points to get a contract contract next year. If you're a goalie, you need to play well to get a contract next year. But then there's also that other side of like these players. Like when I was in Boston, when I was with Providence, Pasternak came through yeah. and he, he, you know, he's going to be in the NHL. Right. He knows he's going to be in the NHL. And you know what I mean? He's got to just do this to get through it, to get to the NHL. And like, it's tough because you can, you can be collateral damage in those scenarios as a goalie. And you're like trying to, you're trying to make it to the NHL, have great numbers to get signed for next year where those guys are just waiting for their chance to get to the NHL. Right. And so I, I say it's best that jump to the K was the best for my career because the K is a winning league. Yeah. Just like the NHL, these owners, they want to win. Right. It is, it is, I thought Canadians liked hockey. Russians love hockey. <laughs> it is in their blood. It is next level. They live, they breathe, they die for hockey. And um, it is, it is a whole nother experience to play in St. Petersburg against Ska, which is the army. You know what I mean? It's against Putin's, this... It's Putin's team. He doesn't own it, but that's like, that's who he likes. Right. Like there's, there are major players involved in these teams, in these, you know what I mean? Organizations, because um, I think like the average NHL owner is worth, I don't know, hundreds of millions. The average uh, owner in the K is worth like two, three billion. Like these guys care so much about these teams because it's like it's their team. You know what I mean? Well, and, we and so times about coaches. I mean, it's not uncommon three games and a coach is out. Oh yeah, In that league. Cal, Cal, be, Cal told us a story about what was it? A two-game losing streak, and they brought a priest in to start the year. Two done. games lose just just to start the year. Not even in the middle. Two games to mm-hmm. lose. Got to bring in the priest. Got to pray. Oh yeah, and so I mean. In that league, like in the NHL, if you get bought out, you know what I mean? You can get, I think, 66% of your contract for the remaining years, no matter what. Right. And like, there's a lot of like legality that favors the players yes. in that league. The, the It favors the owners and it is a performance-based league. If you don't play well, the next day you can show up, your bags are zipped up and they're like, you're fired. Unbound. You're gone. Here's 25% of your contract, and the, the three years that you have remaining, you get nothing. Nothing. Done. Wow. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And so, it's it's a performance-based league. It is a winning league. But that's what I like about it is these teams just want to win. You know what I mean? They'll do anything. Like, this year, Kovalchuk went to the K. They, they brought him in because they want to win. You know what I mean? There's NHL right. teams that were uh, kind of like testing the waters. And uh, Ohms reaches out and says, we want to win. Come here. And he does. And you know what I mean? That's an NHL superstar back in the day that, you know what I mean? That that league, it's not just a, 
throw our sticks in. It's a winning league. Guys care. They're passionate. Um, and it's intense. We should yeah. start to wrap this up. But what does the future hold for you then? You said two-year contract. You've done two years in Kunlun. What now? Um, well, it's weird because the, the NHL is going on right now, right? Right. And, and so who knows injury-wise if something were to happen. I know that they have this taxi squad and there's three goalies per player and stuff. And so I'm not sure. I don't even know if teams are interested. Um, well, you're, but, you're saying like you're you're technically a free agent, so you, you could play you right could now. Out and play right now if you if somebody wanted you to, right? If Nashville, if two goalies get hurt in Nashville, and they don't have a goalie in the American League, I mean Milwaukee's not even playing, are they? Right, right, yeah, correct. So I I, I know they have some team, some players on some other teams, but like if if Nashville has a couple injuries, I, you know what I mean? I could technically sign an NHL contract today or tomorrow. Wow. And never thought of suited it up. Never thought of yeah. it that way. You're right. Yeah. The way the season's ended and everything, you're right. Right. Yeah. And I just got off playing a full season. You know what I mean? And so it's not like I've been sitting around for a year no, and a half. You're in good shape. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. And so um, opportunities are always there, you know, and that's why you never close that door, no matter what organization, no matter what league, you always want to leave that door open. And so, I mean, the NHL, it's still there. Um, I, if anything, I feel more prepared playing in a league where it's a winning league, where like every night it's, it's, it's intense. And I mean, Kunlun wasn't the top of the league. We're very close to bottom, but you're playing those top teams, yeah. these right. stacked teams that are getting ready for this hard playoff run, because it is, it is, it is such a passion to win for those guys that like they need those points. And so, yeah. I mean, the NHL door is not closed. Um, but this will be my first year as a free agent in the K. Um, I believe it end of, end of April, beginning of May. That's when it starts happening, um, for contracts. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. So do you, obviously we can look at your resume. It's on any website, all of that stuff, right? The wins, losses, save percentage, so on. Um, are you, do you shop yourself? Is your agent's job to shop yourself? Does your... I get how, how active and how passive is it? Like, does your, do you have your agent or yourself? Are you calling teams or are they, are you waiting for them to call you because your body of work is out there and it speaks for itself? Um, no, I, I think like I have a, I have an American agent or a North American agent and uh, he has a partner uh, with a Russian agency. Okay. Um, Kovalev's actually the, he went through that same agency um, so he was my coach this year. That's how we have yes. that connection. And so, um, it's great to have a Russian agent in the KHL because, um, when a job opens up, you know what I mean? It's a very desirable league to be in Europe. So there's going to be goalies that, you know what I mean? Reaching out nonstop. So as a goalie, you want your guy to be, um, kind of aggressive, you know what I mean? Sure. Kind of in your face, like, here's my guy. If you want him, he's yours. Well, and it's the fewest and, jobs, right? Each team has two. There exactly. Seven, eight defensemen. There are fourteen forwards. There's two goalies. Exactly. And so you want to you want a seat at the table. You never want to be on the outside looking in. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, when a seat opens up, just like now in the NHL, if a seat opens up, I want my agent calling right away, saying like, "Hey, you know what I mean?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, We've gone two hours here. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. It is incredible. incredible. 
time has flown, but it's been enjoyable. Uh, Charlie, should we wrap it up with our question? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. No, you do it. You're, well, you're... We, we, we always ask when we close these, Smitty, um, when you think of your time in Milwaukee, what do you think of? Oh, man, how can I pick? Um, honestly, I think of the camaraderie, the family of being an admiral from the front office to the team, to the management, um, Harris and um, all the trainers. Um, it's, it's incredible how um, that's the longest I've ever played in one spot is in Milwaukee. Right. Um, I cherish it. Um, I'm thankful for it. Uh, but like I said, uh, Simsy never close the door. There's always a chance. Who knows? Maybe the next series win Jeremy Smith will be the goalie. <laughs> that would really be some, uh, that, that would really bring it full circle. Yeah. Full circle a 10 with, year. Uh, with Lane yeah. and Gary and, and Mitch in New York. Yeah. That yeah. Would be full circle. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. What has it been? 10 year hiatus. Maybe if I come back, win another series. Make it happen. Increase the profile somehow, and yeah, and and we can have another Jeremy Smith bobblehead, or but except it'll yeah. be a head this time and not a fist. <laughs> yeah, unless I start another brawl. You right. Which, yeah. Absolutely. It is. I think that's a great idea. It is unbelievably good to see you. Uh, stay well. Stay healthy. Best of luck to you. And uh, thanks so much. You have always, I said this at the outset, which seems like two days ago that I started this conversation, but. <laughs> You always were giving of your time and thoughtful and, uh, and not just on the mic, but off the mic as well. And I really appreciate that. You're the best. Um, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again real soon. Samzy, Charlie, thank you guys so much. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys and uh, all the best to you guys. Thanks, Smitty. It was awesome to see and chat with you. Former Absolutely. Admiral Jeremy Smith. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast. 